0: In a crisis situation, there is no solution. Executive can't hand you a piece of paperback that simply says, fix it. It doesn't work that way. It is a team sport. You got to get in there and work your options together.
1: You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Jeff Hahn. Jeff is the author of the book, Breaking Bad News, 12 Essential Crisis Communication Tools, and he has more than 30 years experience in the communications field. Jeff, thanks so much for being here. How are you?
0: Hey, Peter. It's great to join you. Thank you. I'm doing great. Appreciate it.
2: Excellent. Well, our focus today is on the communication tools that are essential to effectively navigate a crisis. But before we begin, can you tell us a bit about your background and experience in communications?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, right now I am the owner of agency, marketing and communications agency, and we really specialize in two places, food and beverage and energy. We, we think about those two spaces as the, at the, at the base of Maslow's hierarchy, if you will, almost the essentials of life. And when I rewind my background on, underneath that, context, it becomes a little bit more straightforward than what it would be if I would have done it from the beginning. But I came really into the agency business 15 years ago from 15 years of corporate work. I was a corporate communications guy at Motorola in the semiconductor business. And a lot of the work that I did during that time was in fact in crisis activities. Before that, I had four years in the military, did a little bit of a stint with Lockheed on the space program. So I had a really interesting way to weave through a corporate communications, now agency communications experience. But I've always had this interesting crisis thing going on in my life. And it finally culminated into, well, here we are today in this conversation.
2: Very cool. I can imagine you've experienced quite a few things. So what actually inspired you to write a book on the topic of crisis communications for organizations specifically?
0: You know, the challenge that I've always thought about when it comes to crisis communication is that people shy away from it. They don't want any part of it because it's always felt like some sort of, I'll call it dark art. And I wanted to try to shed some light on that darkness because I don't feel that way. What I wanted to do was reduce what felt like a specialized place that only certain characters could operate in, into a system. And in fact, that's what I did inside of Breaking Bad News. And that system really allows any team of people who are interested in navigating a difficult situation, it gives them the tools that they can use to work their way through a crisis event. So it's this system versus dark art that that was my frustration. And through the book, I was able to construct this design, construct this model, if you will, for how to prosecute these in an efficient way.
2: Well, that makes total sense. The reason people want to avoid it is because they don't have the tools in place and know what to do. Once you have a, a structure, a scaffolding you can follow, it definitely makes it a lot easier. It's still not simple, but it makes it a lot easier.
0: You got it right. And I'll tell you what, one of the essential undercurrents in the model, in the tool set is exactly on point to your audience here. Those that are concerned about the most valuable asset, the employees, because in a crisis, they can be your best ambassadors for your brand. They're a bulwark or a firewall if your brand is under attack. And so it's really germane to the conversation here.
2: Yeah, everyone should be trained on, at least at a high level, what to do when something happens, like know what to say, what not to say at the the very highest level can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that stakeholder audience is one of the most overlooked, but the employee population, in my view, they can be armed with that high level message and they can be at least a first line of defense to all kinds of inputs that they get from social media to email, who knows, but they can. you got to at least give them something to work with.
2: Yeah, the right or the wrong phrase from the frontline worker can be the difference between being on the news or not being on the news.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it.
2: <laughs> well, when you facilitate workshops or just simulations to help organizations build their crisis communication skills, what are the most common roadblocks that you often hear from your clients?
0: There's two that always pop up. The first is one of complacency we don't need to know this, this will never happen to us. And that is a very human bias that we have, that these kinds of reasons that we conjure provide us a reason not to be prepared. It's like buying insurance. Who wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to buy insurance today. It's so exciting. (laughs) So there's a real complacency bias that goes on. It's one obstacle to overcome. The second is that Crisis communication, in my view, is a team sport. And uh, there's a notion that, well, we'll just hand it to somebody to fix this. Mm. Let's just get a fixer. And honestly, that that's just a myth that you only see on TV. For brands in crisis, it is definitely a team sport. And And therefore, accepting right from the beginning that we have to operate as a team, well-functioning team, in the midst of a lot of ambiguity and pressure, that's a notion that teams have to accept in order to be successful in the simulations and workshops that I put on.
2: Yeah, it seems like the best answers can come from the people who are most familiar with the company And, and an outside firm won't necessarily understand that they won't be able to speak from the heart.
0: True enough, in the message part of my model, authenticity is one of the variables that you have to give up if you want more control. And so it's a really interesting tool to work through as you imagine trying to put together your plan. That's a tool that I have teams work through and and they they struggle with it. Oh, of Mm -hmm. course we want to be authentic. Uh, uh, not so fast. No, we don't. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so without a doubt. Well, can you give our listeners a synopsis of your book and what it can offer them?
0: For sure. Breaking Bad News is really oriented around a single model, a centerpiece model. And what it the model declares is there are five steps to successfully navigating any crisis event. And those five steps can be accomplished in 120 minutes. So let me tick down them really fast. First, you have to assemble the team. By the way, that's the hardest thing that any team usually has to do is just get together. Second, message. The holding message is the first thing a team has to put out. They got to do it quickly. Then you get into the bigger ideas. Message, expanded. Messenger, who's going to deliver it? And the method of delivery. Mm. So you work down through that team assembly, holding statement, message, messenger method. If you get those five decisions made, and made quickly, you can control the narrative of a crisis. And that's really what's at stake. Are you going to work to control narrative? or Are you going to let other voices flood the zone and set the narrative for themselves?
2: Yeah. I talk about that a lot with customers and prospective customers that I work with is all about controlling the narrative. And if, if you don't do it in this day and age, I mean, there are so many different sources that people can go to from social media to their smartphones, and it just gets out of control so fast.
0: Oh, for sure. And that's why the, those five tools are presented inside of what I refer to as a TikTok box. You have a timer on you and That narrative is going to slip out of your hands through social media or news media who don't care what the facts are. They just want to break the story, so to speak. Mm -hmm. They don't care. Therefore, you've got to make a determination that even if you don't know all the information, that you're going to at least set a framework into place that allows stakeholders to understand there's a voice of ownership that's in play.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, in your experience with crisis management, do you find that both internal and external communications are equally important to overcome a crisis, or do you place more value on one over the other?
0: Well, I used to spend more time just focusing on external. I was like, you know what, we've got to just get the media. If we can get the media in the right place, we'll be okay. These days, I don't think that way as much. Social media now has leveled the playing field for virality. There is no authoritative center. There is no Walter Cronkite, so to speak, anymore. I place valuable weight now on three different stakeholder sets, media, social media. And then as we were talking a little earlier, the employee population of any organization really can be that first bulwark in a crisis situation. And so I tend to design protocols where employees are the first to know by about 60 seconds, then social media goes, then traditional media mm-hmm.
2: goes. What's one thing that some businesses get wrong, or perhaps should be more of a focus in a crisis preparedness plan?
0: Nine out of 10 are really bad at the <laughs> very first step, which is the rapid response team. Let me talk a little bit about that. Assembling your rapid response team is the first step in my model. But how many clients or companies do you know that have a very effective rapid response capability? That means a team that knows when the bat phone rings, when that phone goes off, when that red signal comes, I know where to go. I know what Zoom channel to pull up. I know what conference line to call in on. I have in my pocket a card that tells me exactly how to do those things so that I can assemble with my rapid response team in under 15 minutes. Next, I know exactly the role I need to play once we are assembled. Well, those two things are assumed in a lot of organizations. Yeah, yeah, we'll just get together. Uh, We'll have the CEO do that kind of stuff and this and Mm. that and the other. And in fact, worst case scenario is to have a CEO stretched too thin, looking at too many things and being tasked with absolutely the wrong kinds of decision choices. Rapid response team training then in my simulators takes up a bulk of the time. Just getting people into the chairs and into their roles so they know how to work together. That's the most overlooked component of any kind of sy- system that I've seen. And it's the one that requires the most practice after that judgment kicks in mm-hmm. judgment on how you what you want to say how you want to say it, et etc. I've got those tools, but it is the design and the functioning of the team that's the slipperiest.
2: Do you find that small and medium-sized organizations tend to lack in this area and larger companies are more prepared or is it just all over the place depending on who you talk to?
0: It's across the board incompetency.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: And <laughs> I say that with the greatest love in my heart. There is a tendency to default to the leadership team or the executive office, CXO. And that tendency is comes from a place of ignorance. Mm. No one wants to do anything wrong especially in a high-stakes situation. And so they boost the questions upstairs, so to speak, or up the totem pole. In fact, many of the questions have to be resolved at subject matter expert levels. CEOs don't, in fact, know all of the answers, all of the details. And so even in small organizations, large organizations, they all suffer from that same tendency and you just have to train it out.
2: Yep, that's good advice. Well, I was intrigued by a tool you developed called the Cassandra Calculator that helps companies predict risks and vulnerabilities. Can you tell our audience just a bit more about that?
0: Yeah, Cassandra Calculator really is an algorithm that I design as almost like a predictive tool. So even before you're in a crisis, what are the probabilities, what are the exposures that you have that you need to pay attention to and get prepared for? So I take severity, exposure, and probability and combine those then with another couple of variables, the most, the, the two that aren't in most people's variable set. In my calculator, they are goodwill. What is the level of public or stakeholder goodwill that your brand holds? How do you evaluate that? Well, we have a method of evaluating that. And then second, it's rapid response team readiness. Mm-hmm. Could we, in fact, evaluate the degree to which a rapid response team is ready and capable of assembling and working together? Yes, we can. We have a series of questions that we use in a diagnostic. Now, you put these five variables together, turn the crank, and out pops a score in my calculator that allows us to say, hey, you know, generally, we've got some work to do in these particular areas or on a particular subject. Uh, and the name comes from the prophet, the prophetess Cassandra in ancient Greek. She's the one who prophesized that the Trojan horse was a bad thing. Don't let that in here, but nobody mm. listened to her. So
2: <laughs> that's much great. The
0: same happens in crisis management, issues management, and preparedness people serve up warnings, but others ignore them. They don't listen to them. So I thought that was an appropriate moniker to put on my calculator.
2: Well, that's fantastic. And it seems to me that when the scores come out, it gets people thinking about how they're just not paying attention to this and they really need to start practicing and get that muscle memory into play. They're not gonna think of every scenario that could come up, but at least it gets them to realize the, the fundamentals and the basics. So when something does hit them, they don't just freeze like a deer in the headlights.
0: No question about it. It's simple simply having some exposure to those scenarios that may occur. And I sometimes equate it to, if you're afraid of like snakes, for example, psychologists will tell you that exposure in very tiny increments will help you reduce your fear of snakes. Same for issues that could affect your brand. Exposure and familiarity to them helps you not freeze up when the spaghetti hits the fan.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Some cognitive behavioral therapy for crisis management.
0: (laughs) True enough. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Well, what are a few best practices for our audience when it comes to crisis communications and management?
0: I like the idea of providing options, not answers. And that's probably my number one best practice for any rapid response team is when confronted with X situation, What are your options, message, messenger, and method of delivery? What options do you need to make sure you understand are available to you? And which would you choose? And you can go by scenario by scenario. So the number one most important best practice is to keep in mind options are better than answers, Hmm. Then a team can use their executive experience, their judgment, et cetera, to choose the options that are available to them. And there's just a finite set. That's what's inside the tools. In message, you have 16 options. Oh, wow. In messenger, you have nine options. In method of delivery, 12 options. So as you look at these options, you can choose what's most comfortable for you and your brand and your rapid response team. That to me is the best practice. Know your options.
2: I think that's great too, because executives will always tell you, don't come to me with problems, come to me with options that I (laughs) I can choose from.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. And especially if you're going to have to escalate up to the executive level. And in a crisis situation, there is no solution. Executive can't hand you a piece of paper back that simply says, fix it. With an under with two underlines. <laughs> <underneath> <laughs> right. it doesn't work that way. It is a team sport. You got to get in there and work your options together.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Well, we like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide the listeners with a tip or piece of advice they can take back to their organizations to make an immediate impact. So in your opinion, what can our audience do today to improve crisis readiness?
0: If you're interested in doing one good thing to improve your crisis readiness, Throw out these three ring binders that are gathering dust that say crisis plan on them and reduce it simply to a card, business card size. That is your rapid response team assembly instructions. Mm. The phone number I call, the room that I go to, the Zoom channel that I hop onto. Get those assembly instructions in a pocket to all of your rapid response team members. That's the one easiest, best thing you can do. And boy, huge difference maker.
2: That's fantastic advice. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time, expertise, and advice.
0: I enjoyed being here, Peter. Thank you very much.
2: Excellent. Well, if anyone listening has follow-up questions, would like to connect with you or buy your book or just employ your services, how can they find you out there?
0: Best place to find me is on my author website, breakingbadnewsbook.com. And you can fill out the contact info and all that goes directly to me.
2: Okay, excellent. And I'm excited to share with everyone that Jeff has generously agreed to give away some copies of his book to a few lucky listeners. So there's information on how to participate in that giveaway on Alert Media's LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook pages. So please make sure to check that out. And please note the giveaway will end at the end of this year, December 31st, 2021. Jeff, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast and for the rest of you out there. Remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency, so communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time.
1: Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate, connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.